Hello, I'm Terry Schultz, and I am channeling Brussels. Getting newsmakers, movers, and shakers to lose the lingo, burst out of the Brussels bubble, and have real conversations about the critical foreign and security policies shaping our world. It's the rest of the story, beyond the few seconds of sound bites that make it into the news. This channeling Brussels is brought to you by the Atlantic Council. And I'm very pleased to be joined by the Polish ambassador to NATO, Tomasz Szczakowski, at a very busy time for Poland. Not only is it between two rounds of a presidential election, but it's in the headlines for another reason. President Trump announced quite suddenly last month that he's pulling 9,500 U.S. troops out of Germany to punish Berlin for low defense spending. That's about a third of the total U.S. presence there at the moment. And Trump revealed he intends to send some of them to Poland, something that had been rumored but never confirmed, not even, it seems, to the Polish government. And Trump announced his plan standing next to Polish President Andrzej Duda, the first foreign leader he'd invited to Washington since the coronavirus pandemic hit. Now, it's not an entirely unwelcome idea for Warsaw. Poland has already bilaterally negotiated an increase of American troops posted there. But Ambassador Szczakowski says Warsaw's understanding was that those troops were coming from outside Europe to bolster both Poland's and NATO's strength. If they're coming from Germany, well, that's another matter. Both President Duda and Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg urged Trump against doing this, but above all, against taking them out of Europe. So we don't yet know what the plan is because it's still classified. But before we talk about these troops, I started my interview with Ambassador Shukovsky discussing a story I find so disturbing, having reported from Afghanistan several times, that of Russia paying militant snipers to kill Allied troops in Afghanistan. Polish soldiers have also been there since the beginning of the multinational effort, so this is definitely a matter of mutual concern, one the ambassador says he'll make sure is discussed at NATO. Ambassador Tomasz Szczakowski. And I really appreciate you taking time, Mr. Ambassador, because you are on vacation at the moment, like Indeed. much of Europe. So <laughs> thanks very much for finding time. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure and I'm honored to, to be on your, uh, on your podcast. And we should say, as so many uh, podcasts have had to explain during the COVID era, era, that if our audio is not of perfect quality, it is because um, we are having to do this by phone. And you, in fact, are in an area of um, kind of questionable um, internet capacity. So we'll, we'll apologize to our listeners if the audio quality isn't up to par. Um, so I'd like to start, Mr. Ambassador, with something that is now... Um, uh, sort of has superseded all the other questions I would have started with, um, as important as they are. And that is this question of possible Russian payments to hit squads in Afghanistan. Um, Poland has been a steadfast member of, um, of both ISAF and then now the Resolute Support mission in Afghanistan. Did you, had you ever heard about this and does it alarm you given that Polish soldiers are there in Afghanistan? Well, uh, for some time we have been receiving reports on um, links between uh, Russians and uh, Russian secret services and certain uh, Taliban uh, circles. We had been suspecting that they might be either arming them or, 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 or in some way assisting the activities, but I don't recall uh, specific data on, on actually payments uh, uh, which would um, fund their um, activities. But this is not a um, 
large surprise to us. We know that Russians are trying to uh, counter or complicate uh, Western uh, actions whenever uh, they uh, they can. Um, I mean, to some, it might actually go against rationality because to some degree, one might say that NATO presence in Afghanistan is in Russian interest because we are securing the sort of uh, soft uh, underbelly of, uh, of of Russia through Central Asia, but as I might say that sort of uh, customs uh, um, or habits uh, prevail over over rationality. But you case. can't. Uh, you you were not directly informed of this by the United States. If they if they were the ones that had the intelligence on this, um, can you say whether Poland was was informed directly about well, this? Well, I cannot comment on uh, the entirety of intelligence that Poland receives from the uh, United States, or I mean, the, the Polish services are are receiving because, um, well, I mean, uh, I I get much of the uh, of of what is relevant to, to me but eventually i mean th this is a a product which which uh, which consumers receive from uh, intel um, uh, services so i cannot comment on the entirety of uh, intelligence that is being shared between polish and, uh, and us uh, services i can i can say that i was getting uh, from uh, that we were uh, receiving information from our intelligence services from other allied intelligence services i cannot co comment on which allied services of certain um, connections between between uh, Russian um, services and and Taliban uh, networks, uh, but it's uh, I, I don't recall uh, hearing specifically about payments to kill uh, or attack uh, Western um, forces in Afghanistan. But that was I, I have to say. I mean, for us Poles, knowing uh, uh, behavior of of um, Soviet or, or Russian secret services, that isn't much of a surprise. Do you think it's something that should come up in NATO since it wasn't only U.S. forces that were targeted? It was also other um, other allies and other partners on the ground there? Well, I expect that at some point uh, relevant NATO committees and bodies will uh, look into that. And, and should they should should there be some some reckoning for this? It just I, I'd heard these also these rumors for years, including from commanders in Afghanistan. I've been there many times. Um, but even this still shocked um, me. It still sent a chill down my spine. Well, I think that this would be a surprise if uh, NATO, I mean, if within NATO, we are not going to tackle this. I'm 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 sure that this is going to be a subject of of relevant NATO bodies and committees, but at the same time, I also don't want to preempt uh, Secretary General and, and other NATO official sources on uh, sort of uh, the agenda of, of when it will uh, pl place and uh, when and how it will take place. Well, just to put you on the spot one quick sec, um, anybody can, any country can put something on the agenda. Is it important of enough course. that you, that you as Poland would put it on the agenda if no one else? I'm sure. I'm sure if 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 nobody else puts it on their agenda, we certainly won't overlook this this issue. Uh, that's very interesting. Okay, now I'll move on to what would have been our big crisis talk here, and that is about about um, of course. Um, U.S. Uh, decision to pull troops out of Germany. But I want to to start this sort of going backwards chronologically, and that is with the visit of President Duda to the White House last week, the first uh, foreign leader to come in the sort of since the pandemic started. Um, what were what were Warsaw's goals with this trip? And and as you watched it, um, was it a successful visit by by Polish standards? 
Yeah, well, uh, first of all, it was Polish president uh, who was invited by, by the US uh, president, and they had actually been planning a meeting uh, uh, to take place this spring, but because of the pandemic, it, it couldn't come into fruition, and, and, uh, and hence, uh, as, as we understand the invitation to the White House, uh, I think it was a good, very good meeting. I, I, I've received a number of uh, readouts, and uh, this is like between leaders of of, of allied countries, of, of countries that are in a friendship and alliance for for many years, and a number of important issues, uh, security issues uh, first of all were were tackled, um, the uh, strategic situation. Um, cooperation in telecom, telecommunication sector, in energy sector, and so on and so on. And like you have mentioned, of course, the the presence of U.S. troops in Europe has been also mentioned. The President Duda spoke of uh, um, uh, underlying the value of, of U.S. presence uh, in Europe, and that from the Polish perspective, uh, uh, the more U.S. presence uh, in Europe, the the better. Um, yeah, so so all in all, it was a, a successful visit from from our uh, perspective. What was announced um, by um, by President Trump is that some of these troops will probably be moving to Poland. Of course, that's something that that had been discussed immediately, had been speculated. We've been talking about it in Brussels a lot. Um, but is this something that Poland? had asked for and was was Poland surprised by this announcement as Germany seemed to be I mean again we've been hearing about this that this could happen as a threat for Germany's low defense spending but when it actually came down to President Trump saying yes we're going to do this and giving a number was Poland surprised and had Poland did Poland then say send them send them to us well, uh, first of all, from the Polish perspective, uh, as I've said, uh, the, the more U.S. troops in Europe, the better. And Poland indeed had been um, striving to attract a greater U.S. presence in Poland and also elsewhere in the so-called eastern flank of the uh, alliance. Uh, and this is also the purpose of the declaration that both presidents uh, signed last year and, and the number of specific measures that followed. Um, that was meant to increase uh, U.S. troop presence in Poland, but th those were mainly, as we understood, uh, new troops that would, that would be coming to, to, to Europe. And, um, and indeed, from a po Polish perspective, we, uh, the, the, the most preferred option is an, is an overall uh, net increase of the, of the U.S. Uh, presence. And this is one of the reasons that Poland didn't uh, ever initiate uh, talks on the uh, U.S. Uh, troop transfer from Germany to Poland. Another reason being, um, well, good neighborly relations with 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 Germany. And the third one, we also understand the value and strategic importance of of the U.S. presence in uh, in Germany. Now, um, if the U.S. Um, as we see uh, intends to implement uh, that decision, then of course. Uh, seeing that there is an intent to consider Poland as as a location, I think Poland won't turn away from such a conversation because it will uh, serve the overall objective, meaning um, uh, retaining as many U.S. troops uh, in Europe uh, as it's uh, possible and also increasing the deterrence on the eastern flank. But again, but, 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 but I want to make clear, Poland didn't uh, initiate such talks and uh, uh, to the best of my knowledge and I and I've been quite um, sort of involved in those in those uh, conversations uh, there was no um, 
concrete conversation between the between Poland and the U.S. and the on the troop transfer from from uh, Germany to Poland. In advance, you mean? In advance of yes, the presidential yes, indeed, announcement. Yes, indeed, indeed, yes, yes. Um, and so, I mean, just to be clear, because I under I also have followed the the decision to send an additional about a thousand troops. And that was a separate agreement, and then. Now, yes. President Trump seemed to be mixing two things where he said, you know, and this is coming from the press conference again, they asked us if we would send some additional troops there, meaning the Poles are going to pay for that, and we'll probably be moving them from Germany to Poland. And so he seems to be mixing the addition of new troops, and you were hoping there would be a thousand, and of course, hoping that none would be pulled out of Germany, right? Is that summing it up correctly? I don't want to speak on uh, or comment on on um, what's uh, exactly in uh, President Trump mind when he when he spoke uh, and, and and when he said that this was our understanding but at, at the same time I have to say uh, it is not our role to dictate uh, to another ally where um, the troops should come from this was our uh, understanding based on for instance formations that we are talking about that they that these are that these were not formations that currently are um, based in in Germany. So uh, my understanding is that these are um, two that those were two issues. But you know, in the future we will see how how it will be uh, how it is going to be executed. Were those um, details discussed um, with President Duda? Or is it too early? Or, for example, was there any discussion about what kind of troops would be moved out of Germany? Because that's a big concern for no, for no, no. NATO. It's not uh, no, at no, that no. level yet. I, I think yeah, yeah. It's a, it's there was a very general uh, conversation, I, and as you have seen in the press conference, President Duda underscored the importance of of the U.S. presence in uh, in Europe, and that the U.S. presence in Europe serves. The security of the of the continent and of the entire transatlantic um, security architecture. And that's something that um, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg repeats constantly. And President Duda said he and Stoltenberg together urged that troops not be pulled out of out of Europe. But is it then a corollary to that that Poland says, okay, but if you're going to move them out of Germany, better to put them in Poland than take them back to the U.S.? Is that is that your view? Well, I mean, Poland is not initiating such a conversation. When there is a uh, U.S. Ex intent expressed, of course, we will we will enter into uh, into uh, into a conversation on uh, about those issues. But th this was not a Polish initiative to. To, to look at the possibility of transfer of the U.S. troops from Germany to Poland. But nonetheless, being that that has now um, been spoken, is there some scramble in Warsaw to figure out how you're going to pay for this, where you're going to put them, what exactly might be transferred? Everybody's looking at at, at possible options, but it's too early to, to start preparations. I mean, we don't know, you know, what will, will be eventual um, scale of uh, of a drawdown of uh, possible transfer and so on and so on. I think it's it's that U.S. which has to finally make up mind of uh, which formations, which units, where exactly, what do they wish, where they would like to put them uh, eventually. And I, this is my understanding that, that the Pentagon is uh, right now working on the implementation of this decision. It's the U.S. that decides, but it's Poland that would probably have to pay at least a, a, a large amount of that, if not all of it, isn't it? Well, uh, last year when President, uh, both presidents uh, signed the declaration, 
of the on the increase of the U.S. presence in Poland, uh, and also of sort of uh, the enduring nature of this presence, Poland uh, promised that will offer the infrastructure for those troops. This means that. Poland will build this infrastructure. This is a, a quite a substantial cost, of course, entailed. Um, there is a number of other issues which are being currently discussed under the format of the uh, sort of uh, status of force uh, agreement uh, negotiations. And and uh, I think it's too early to, to speak about details. But of course, we're going to support uh, the, the US presence uh, in Poland uh, in terms of in-kind support and other features like uh, host nation support. But that was for the 1,000 troops, right? That's what we're talking about, where there were the 2 billion was offered, and then there, were even, there was even some discussion that that might not be enough, or Poland might have trouble coming up with the money. Well, um, last year, uh, last year's declaration and, and Polish financial support for the U.S. presence pertained not just to the um, 1,000 of an increase, but also to the uh, long-term um, rotations of the ABCT and other uh, formations that currently rotate through Poland, like Mission Command Element in Poznań or, or Combat Service Support Battalion uh, in Powitz or other units that currently uh, rotate uh, through Poland in a heel-to-toe manner. So it's more like around five to, 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 to 6,000 uh, soldiers that are covered by this declaration that is now being... Um, Converted into into sort of legal uh, format through uh, status of force uh, agreement uh, discussions. Do you think, just knowing what your capacity is, would you be in any condition to to somehow host three or four more thousand on top of those? Well, I don't want to speak about the specific thousand. Nobody has yet come to us with a with an uh, offer on, on on how many troops and if at all. U.S. would like to uh, eventually transfer um, uh, some of those. So, uh, judging by what will be sort of uh, what will be asked for, we will be will be calculating uh, of of whoever uh, we can and, and to what extent we can uh, we can support such a presence. I think there is still some some uh, potential in terms of the infrastructure in in Poland. We look at some biggest training areas in 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 Europe. We still have some. Uh, property that is in the hands of the Ministry of uh, of, of Defense, so we'll be looking into options, but it's but it's too early. It's too early to to be, to be judging uh, on on what will be the outcome, and if any. If I'll any, so that was going to be my next question. Do you think there's still a chance this will happen? Well, I don't know. I mean, I mean, this has been quite firmly. Um, Pronounced by the by the U.S. president, there was also an, an um, follow-up uh, article by by the U.S. National Security Advisor. I think we have to treat seriously those declarations. Uh, now they are being uh, worked out by the uh, on the uh, by the Pentagon and other institutions. But it's it's eventually not uh, to us up to us to comment on those. And uh, we, we are we are we are looking at the, at the development of the of the situation. Uh, as I have said, and, and was declared by President Duda, uh, we are hoping that this will not lead to the reduction of the overall U.S. presence in Europe. What about leading to tensions inside NATO? Of course, Germany doesn't blame Poland for this. But nonetheless, the German defense minister uh, said recently that she's concerned there would be tensions raised inside the alliance, not just because Germany isn't happy about this this, problem. potential, but because other allies would also be concerned that it would lead to um, allegations that the NATO-Russia Founding Act may be 
sort of compromised, um, I mean, never mind what Russia uses as an excuse for complaining about NATO. It, it, maybe some allies also are uncomfortable with, with a larger presence so near the border, as has been pledged, would not happen. I would say we are surprised by the choice of the arguments uh, when, when it comes to this comment from, coming from, uh, from Germany. I can understand German concern with a with a with the possibility of the transfer of truce, but we don't think that the NATO Russia founding act is the sort of main source uh, or basis of concern when it comes to that. Let me um, add that you know the nature of this doc- document or or declaration still debated within the alliance. According to our assessment or our count, it's been uh, at least 18 provisions of this document have been violated by by Russia. And even if we assume that this agreement or arrangement was binding, uh, the, the very notion that regardless of how many times the other party breaches the, the, the arrangement, you're still going to be uh, bound by, by it is, I would say, arguable. Another uh, issue is how do we treat the, the, the provision of the so-called substantial combat forces clause, which is part of the arrangement. And as I understand, the German Minister of Defense was alluding to, to, to that one. Our understanding, and it's also based on the NATO Defense College uh, analysis, uh, is that substantial combat forces clause pertained to the entire territory of NATO. And this is very much our, our understanding, because also we are against the notion of sort of two tiers of allies. So like one tier of allies, which has kind of more or less un inhibited freedom when it comes to arrangements, bilateral or other arrangements within the alliance as when it comes to the deployment of troops. And then another second tier of, of allies where the entire North Atlantic Council, but not just the North Atlantic Council, but I presume NATO Russia um, Council would need to uh, give its consent. Um, so this is this is the, the notion to which I think we, we wouldn't uh, uh, agree. Um, uh, yes, and finally, uh, the the troop level. Uh, the, it was a uh, it was never specified in this in this arrangement, and we think that the current Allied presence on the eastern flank is very far from uh, tilting any any force uh, balance. Uh, so there is no threat that this is this is going to be escalatory in any in any manner. So we we don't share those concerns particularly. And I mean, there's always this this debate. And trust me, I lived in Finland during the Cold War. So this is sort of built into my bones now about whether a provocation is worth it. Um, You know, that's always been, been the discussion. So what if Russia uses this as a provocation? Poland is used to being put in that position. Um, Would Russia may well use this as as a, a, an excuse to escalate, and you are always on the front line of that, aren't you? Well, um, we don't consider uh, a considerable um, increase of Allied presence in the eastern flank to be provocative. Um, in any case, it's been uh, rather a moderate response to the uh, troop uh, increase or actually the overall military capability increase in Russian Western military dis- district and aggressive actions undertaken by Russia in Ukraine or uh, elsewhere, uh, or the scale of um, Russian um, military exercises. 
at the NATO Eastern uh, frontier. And again, we are very far from uh, from from sort of uh, being close to that to the scale of uh, of military buildup or or activities. So so I don't see the, such a move as being provocative in any way. So if it happens, um, and, and, and the President Trump was asked about this as he stood next to President Duda, um, does, what kind of signal would it send to Russia that you pull troops out of Germany, um, whether you send them to Poland or not? And President Duda did say, you know, we don't want any troops pulled out of Europe. So um, do you think it sends a, a negative, do you think it sends the wrong signal to Russia to talk about moving troops in any way? Well, I think there there is a difference on on whether there is an overall reduction of the U.S. presence in Europe or not, or or there is just a redeployment from one location to another location. Of course, we wouldn't like to that relocation to to be source of sort of uh, wrangles between different uh, allies. At the same time, this produces a different strategic effect than than just a troop uh, reduction. So, so uh, like, as President Duda. I've said we would prefer uh, not to see a troop, U.S. troop reductions, a tr reduction in Europe. We would also like not to be sort of not to contribute to some divisions within the uh, alliance. At the same time, if this decision is implemented, we would uh, prefer uh, those troops to be relocated in Europe rather than go from from Europe altogether. Fair enough. Um, one of the excuses that, um, or I guess I shouldn't call it an excuse, one of the explanations that um, Secretary General Stoltenberg always gives when people, um, people like me, people like my colleagues ask, but what about this tweet? What about that tweet from the White House, from President Trump? He always says, sure, a tweet's a tweet, but on the ground, the U.S. commitment to Europe hasn't changed. With this move, President Trump says some of those troops are coming home. This then is no longer true, is it? Well, uh, as I've said, I don't want to certainly comment on on on, on statements of uh, of the head of state of one, one of the allies, sort of the um, the biggest of allies in in, in NATO. Um, uh, and President Duda has had said we. We, we, we prefer not to see uh, U.S. troop production in Europe. But eventually, this is a sovereign, sovereign U.S. decision. And as the Secretary General had said uh, recently, we also have to have to see and understand that recently the U.S. presence in Europe has been um, had been increasing. This is also important to be to be to, to be remembered. Right. Until now, until now, if this happens and some troops go home, you guys will lose that explanation that we shouldn't, you know, you know that Europeans shouldn't be worried about about the tweets. I, I know I'm pushing you into a place you can't go. <laughs> that's that's my job. <laughs> and you're a very good sport about it. Um, but I, I mean, I just think that this will this will finally you will no longer have that, that numerically on the ground. But again, it hasn't happened yet. I understand that you can't answer that and Indeed. you're certainly not going to. Uh, you're not going to preempt, um, you know, literally nothing has been has been moved on this. There's no timeline at all. Um, did President Duda get, did he sort of ask, what should we be expecting in terms of when would we have to get ready if this happens? I mean, even if you build a bunch of hypotheticals into that, into that question, was there any clarification at all about how soon they would be making these decisions? I don't, I don't think that the, that the discussion went into into such a uh, detail. This uh, would be basically discussing the the, the schedule and and details of such a of such a 
uh, troop uh, transfer or, or movement, uh, President uh, Duda expressed our general preference and and uh, also our, our support to the U.S. presence uh, in Europe. I don't think he was he was getting into into much detail on what, what is in plans in terms of um, troop uh, transfer or, or a reduction. And again, there was a whole other agenda that is important also to, to the president. So I'm, I, this was certainly not your prime objective. And it even was a very small part of his opening remarks, um, I, I noted. Um, can I just sort of sum up the other um, European concerns um, in one question? Are you worried about for example, the future of New Start. Um, you right now are near Kaliningrad. I mean, this is something we're looking at very closely here in Europe. You know, after the INF is dead, um, after Open Skies is weakened with the U.S. withdrawal, uh, what is Poland's position on on the importance of New Start and and whether the only future for an, an arms control treaty is one that includes China? Do you agree with um, Secretary General Stoltenberg's last statement about this, saying that we would like to see the U.S. and Russia extend New START while they continue discussing discussing a broader agreement? What, where does Poland stand on that? Well, uh, Poland's stand is that we are in favor of uh, arms control arrangements that, they, uh, that contribute to stability of the um, entire world, basically, in this case. Uh, at the same time, we do understand the U.S. concerns when it comes to uh, China, which which indeed should be part of such uh, an, a strategic global uh, arrangement, and secondly about the about certain um, types of nuclear uh, weaponry which should be included. Uh, first of all, tactical nuclear um, warheads, and indeed, as you have mentioned, I'm, I'm I'm right now spending my vacation close to the Russian border, and this is this is a very timely. And, and um, a subject that indeed uh, tactical nuclear uh, arms uh, are um, possibly very destabilizing and they and they should be included in such uh, negotiations. Polish position is, is close to the to the one expressed by the secretary by the secretary general of, the, of NATO. Extend new start and continue talking, bringing other countries in. As soon as indeed, we think it's better not to start entirely from scratch. We do, however, um, understand and support uh, U.S. when it comes to concerns of the inclusion of China in, in new nuclear uh, arms control arrangements, as well as including um, non-strategic nuclear forces in those conversations and eventually in the provisions of, the, of new treaties. Um, that, that seems to be a, a pretty broad view among, among European allies. Um, and finally, um, there, there was uh, the first round of a presidential election over the weekend, and now there's going to be a runoff, and President Duda will be running against a politician who's quite different from him. Um, uh, Rafael Chachovsky is um, more pro-EU than President Duda, than, um, but do, would you suspect that if there is an upset in the presidential slot. Would there be any change in Poland's stance toward NATO? You are one of the staunchest allies, a two-percenter, you know, present on every operation. Um, is this, this, is, is this a, something that will remain, that, that is a Polish view through and through all the political parties? Well, uh, I've, first of all, uh, it's not my job to comment on, on, on Polish internal politics. Second, I think that Poland is... Uh, I mean, both sides of political spectrum in Poland, I think, are pro-EU and are, and are in favor of Polish membership in the con continued membership in the European 
uh, union. Again, I, I don't want to comment on the on, on outcomes of the of the internal uh, elections and the and the future scenarios. I, I wouldn't want to either if I were you. Mm. So um, I was just wor worth a, worth a try. Um, is there anything else that, that you'd like to talk about? I mean, there's there's so much hand wringing at times over the state of NATO. Um, and again, as I say, Poland is is a strong ally. Uh, Never a doubt in, in Poland's mind about the importance of NATO. Um, do you think the alliance is in is in good shape right now? Well, there are there are uh, different layers of the of the alliance activity, and I have to say that when it comes to the core of the alliance activity, which is basically deterrence and defense, we are seeing a very sort of profound positive transformation of NATO, uh, sort of going back to, to its roots. But even more than that, I would say, because NATO is restoring its capacity to to tackle deterrence and defense, more sort of classical threats. But at the same time, NATO wants to retain its ability to uh, respond to uh, contingencies outside of the um, uh, its area of responsibility. And I, un unfortunately, I cannot speak much about details because this, this is a sort of um, very classified uh, area of our, of our work. But I, th I think this is this is uh, a very positive uh, aspect. Need on the surface that we've uh, we've seen uh, certain uh, wrangles, certain uh, certain differences. This is all. This had always been a case between allies. There has always been some differences, and 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 uh, we don't we, mention we, the Suez Canal like Stoltenberg <laughs> always does. Do not go back that far. I'll no, think. No, no. <laughs> no, no. I, I wasn't even going. To... <laughs> Yeah, I, I think altogether we are uh, we are we are strong, and I think that that the the process uh, we are you know which is underway right now the, the reflection process we hope that it will improve the the political consultation spectrum within the alliance, and we'll be able to sort of better align our interests and and policies on the political strategic level. Well, COVID has actually, I mean, the silver lining of COVID-19, although that's not to diminish the horrible, horrible toll it's taken, is that NATO has really stepped up and, and implemented all of its capacities and um, sort of took over some roles that the EU couldn't manage. And, and just it's been, it's been seamless once NATO got rolling on, on uh, uh, sharing, sharing resources among, among allies and like, the airlift capacity. Um, that's been a real, um, a real shining example of cooperation inside NATO, hasn't it? Yes, absolutely. I have to praise both uh, Secretary General and NATO international staff and military structures, but also, and maybe first of all, the, the allies themselves who have stepped up to sort of extend assistance one to another. And uh, NATO as the organization has been very proficient in communicating that because this was the one of the biggest uh, problems in, in the beginning. We were sort of losing the info battle, and and then uh, NATO kind of stepped up its its, its efforts and, and and showed what indeed NATO allies have been doing, and this has been a very positive story indeed. And NATO continues that effort. We are we are we are preparing uh, ourselves for a possible second wave of the pandemic, we are um, preparing all the um, infrastructure, including plants, so that our response um, is going to be even more uh, effective 
if it's needed. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. And that's all our time for now. I'd like to give many thanks to Ambassador Tomasz Szczykowski for making time to talk to Channeling Brussels while he was on vacation. Of course, I want to thank the Atlantic Council for underwriting Channeling Brussels. And above all, I'd like to thank you for listening. I'm Terry Schultz. Join me next time.